This is a quick announcement to let you know that Trapital will be moving from Fridays to Thursdays. That's right. So every Thursday now moving forward, the Trapital podcast will be in your feed and you will get the latest episode. Hey, things change after a while. You got to keep things fresh. We want to be able to have some new voices here and Thursdays allows us to be a bit more flexible with that. So we're excited and hope you are too. Here's today's episode. I got some stuff. I got them locked and loaded. Just, you know, got to go get them out. I'm, that's one thing too, is since I am independent, I don't feel, I kind of do it as when it feels right, when it genuinely feels right to do. It's no pressure. It's just like, okay, do I truly want to do this? Ain't no ex like, hey, you got to fuck it. There's nobody doing that. So I have to make that decision, which is a gift. I wouldn't say it's a curse, but it forces that accountability. Hey, welcome to the Trapital Podcast. I'm your host and the founder of Trapital, Dan Rutzi. This podcast is your place to gain insights from the executives in music, media, entertainment, and more who are taking hip hop culture to the next level. Today's guest is Hannibal Burris. You likely know his name from his comedy and his acting, but this episode is all about his music. Hannibal Burris has released a eight-track EP under the name Eshu Tune, and that is his artist that is creating hip-hop music. And we talked all about why he chose to start this new chapter in his career, why music was important to him, and how he sees things moving forward. Hannibal had had a career of dabbling in music every now and then. He actually had beaten Open Mike Eagle in a rap battle a couple of years back. And it's something that he had tapped into, but it really wasn't until the pandemic. And a lot of us had the time to really think and tap into what was most important to us. And he was able to take this on, not only as a new challenge for his career, but as a new opportunity to do something that he always wanted to do. But knowing that he could both continue to leverage the platform that he has as a comedian and as an actor, both from a financial perspective, but also from a exposure perspective. We also talked about his upcoming residency, how he's been positioning himself to get booked on shows and other things and how important this is for him right now. So it was great to tap in. This is also the first episode recorded in Trapital's new home have a new office and studio here and it's been great to get everything set up and it's been great to record these in person too because listen it's great to do things remotely a lot of them have been that way but it's just a different chemistry that you get when you can do them in person so it was great that Hannibal and I could connect while he was in town here's our conversation hope you enjoy it all right today we got the one and only Hannibal Burris what's up man Mr. Eshu Toon now though Toon yeah yeah Last we talked, it was all about comedy. We're getting ready for a special that you had, Miami Nights. But now we're about to talk about your music career, man. Yeah, for sure, man. So who is Eshu Toon? Eshu Toon is my musical alter ego. Eshu is from Yoruba mythology, Nigerian mythology, the trickster god. I was looking for a stage name in there, so I just looked up African mythology, and I just connected with that description. It kind of felt like me and, and some of the things I've done and yeah, it just felt right. It really was a big help to kind of separate the worlds a little bit, just cause now I look at, you know, SU as, okay, we can build them together. Cause now I can't, if I want to do a little bit of comedy on the show, it's like, Hey, hey yeah, they help. 
they'll both be there. Right, right, right. <laughs> I change shirts. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I get think of it it's like, yeah, no, Hannibal's in a t-shirt. As she was in the, in the red shit or something, you know, so it's been fun. And so I'm excited for the growth and performing has been really exciting and a lot of dope stuff coming up. So talk to me through the journey a bit, because I know this is something that you spent a lot of time on in the pandemic. And last time we talked about it, you were getting ready to release Miami Nights. And this was around the same time that you had started working on music. So what was your mindset at at the time? You got this big comedy special coming out, but you also were thinking about this new career opportunity. My mindset, 2020, putting out the special during that time was hella weird just because it wasn't the usual motions and movements that you have with putting out a special doing events, doing press in person. You know, I did the Daily Show, but it was on Skype and it just felt weird doing television from my place because you still get wired, kind of, but then you just wired at the crib. You're like, man, oh, I'm not getting in the car to go somewhere else. <laughs> just stay like, oh. Right, right. I remember doing, I did first take with Stephen A. Smith. It's something for last dance just talking about last dance and i remember just <laughs> i kept messing with them changing jackets oh, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> molly was giving me sass oh thanks for being so professional i'm trying to like you want me to make a great statement about last dance like, oh yeah last dance what's up there? i'm trying to have some fun make some real memories here nobody will care about my take on <laughs> The yeah, if I make a great point about the 96 Bulls, 98 Bulls in 10 years, but people don't care if I was chaotic as hell. I need to put that clip back up, actually. That was really fun. <laughs> oh, sweating and shit. Yeah, it was a good time. But you're putting out the special then, and it was weird, man. And I wanted the music. I started really diving in in November of 20. When I was out in Hawaii, I kinda, it was nice to be able to lock in, focus. I've always wanted to do it and finally find the time. And the time was always there, honestly, but I wasn't as good as maneuvering time as I am now. Because looking back, I could have been on the road after gigs instead of going to the club. Could have been booking studio time, that type of thing. or. You know, I'm glad it happened when it happened. Yeah, that makes sense. I think, too, I've looked a lot about how you chose to roll this out, right? It's not like you just did one single, let me drop and see what happens. You had an eight-track LP, EP that you put out specifically for it. What was your goal in terms of the release? Was there a certain response that you wanted to have or a certain emphasis you wanted to have with how you chose to put it out as an EP? Yeah, and initially I was going to do singles, the single strategy. But then I had a bunch of songs and I said, let me just get these out and see how I want to do it. Like if I want to do videos for stuff, which I am still going to do the visuals on things and, and get them out. But it was just after a while, it was just, let me just do it. And I didn't follow the proper practices of, you know, get it to the DSPs with this much time to finish that. Like all the stuff that I know you're supposed to do to give your release the best chance. But I just feel like 
it'll get its due when it's due. You know what I mean? Whether it's when I put out videos later this month or next month or down the line, it's my first project. So whether it's crazy now or crazy in five years, it's always my first project. So it'll be there. And it just felt good to get it out and have it out. Cause then the music got better afterwards, the stuff I started recording. And I still like the song, like One Three Pocket. I like One Three Pocket. And I was, One Three Pocket, that's the motherfucking hit. Like when we made it, yeah, this bowling song gonna go crazy. <laughs> Hell yeah, we made a bowling banger. But now I got other songs. I'm like, okay, I was wrong. <laughs> well, maybe I wasn't wrong, but it's just the music is getting better. And so it's nice to feel that and feel that improvement and the progression. And so that'll keep on happening indefinitely. You know, if you keep on working on it, keep on releasing, keep performing, it's gonna get better. And so it's nice to have that feeling and, and hear that in the music. And like even hearing how the music sounds, if I record the day after a show, that music sounds good. Cause you can kind of hear the clarity, you know, you already got the energy. So it's been exciting. Yeah, I get the feeling that One Three Pocket was the song you thought was going to be the one, and that's the one, but I feel like Veneers is the one that I feel is your anthem. Veneers worked before I even put it out, and I performed it because the hook is slower and the beat is chill. It feel, yeah, Veneers is the one I think people like more than the song that has really inside bowling terminology in it. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise, the song about teeth <laughs> is more accessible than the song about <laughs> the bowling pins. Like even people that love bowling have said to me, what is the one three pocket? <laughs> like some people could think you talk about like billiards or like, you know, like shoot yeah. or something like that. Nah, it's just the, yeah, it's the head pin and the pin to the right. I got to put out a video for one three. I got the lyric video out. I got to get the official video out. A couple of them. I might, you know, we'll see if I get on stubborn mode and start putting out three, four videos for a song. That's when I really, I'll start really lighting up, just going crazy with the visuals. Yeah. I was waiting to see the music videos. I'm glad you mentioned that. You got the lyric video up. And of course, you know, like that's a great way to get the views and engagement up. But yeah, seeing the SU2 visual character, I feel like that is, you know, the next yeah. piece of this. Yeah. I've been holding off a bit on the music videos because I know when I got to know when I do officials, that's when things will really shift in a way. And so I don't want to rush it, but it, they come in over the next month or so is when the visuals will start. I got some recorded already. I got some for back in the city. I recorded in Thailand, actually, when I was in Thailand and I <laughs> looked on Eventbrite and it was a, restaurant packaging conference at the convention center. I was like, oh, let's go here. And I went and it was all this interesting, just different machinery and robotics. Me and my lady just walked through with something just to, you know, just a different environment. I said, yeah, well, I'm over here. Well, when else am I going to be in Thailand? And it's a convention. I should shoot a music video. So I came back two days later, shot the video there. And so I got that. We got one for closed mouths. We got a pocket video. Got a version of the veneers video, but I want to do a story version. So yeah, I got some stuff. I got them locked and loaded. Just, you know, gotta I'm gonna get them out. I'm that's one thing too, is since I am independent, I don't feel I just gotta do it as when it feels right, when it genuinely feels right to do. 
It's no pressure. It's just like, okay, do I truly want to do this? Ain't no ex. Hey, you got to There's nobody doing that. So I have to make that decision, which is a gift. I wouldn't say it's a curse, but it forces that accountability. Yeah. With that too, I feel like with you, you're an independent artist who also has the luxury of this platform of your comedy that has given you not just the resources, but the platform to be able to get booked on shows or to be able to get at festivals or other things like that. How do you look overall in terms of how you view your career as an independent artist and wanting to see that through? Do you see a major label in the future? Do you see building it's what you have clearly with the resources that you have from your comedy and acting to be able to push off for that? I think the major label thing isn't something I'm chasing. I would hear them out. You know what I mean? I'll take a meeting or a call just to hear the right pitch and see. But before I even would do that, I would have to give myself at least a year or so of operating full speed. Right. Because now I'm coast. I'm doing a good amount of shows and having fun. Done a couple festivals this year with, you know, no visuals out. So I would have to give myself all of 23 mm-hmm. of like going, you know, with full staff, you know what I mean? My whole infrastructure, putting out everything, like really, really going crazy, merch, all the whole thing. and then see how I like that and then see what we could do from there. But for now, I kind of got an idea of how I want to do it. And, and a lot of the things that a label can provide, I've been to some of these spots before while promoting stand up or touring or different things I, I've been around. I'm sure there's other things or different cracks and crevices they can operate in, but there's a lot of things that, you know, I'm able to pull off because I'm independent, but it's not a true, like, in the same kind of thing because I've got the visibility. So that's, it's a good help. The music still has to be good too. And I'm, I'm cognizant of that where I, I want to be, you know, I don't want to just be in the spots to be in them. Right. I want to be in the spots and really doing my thing and having a dope show and, you know, justifying the spot. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think the thing that works out for you with it well is so many folks sign with the record label because they want to be able to get the distribution that can at least get them some global recognition and reach. But then that also gives them to being able to do shows, right? And you are able to get a lot of these shows on your own, just given the connections and the influence that you have. What has that process been like specifically with you? getting out. Cause I know that you were up in San Francisco a couple of months ago. You did, you know, we had the 420 thing up here. What has that process been like? That's through friends, you know, old friends that I've worked with before or talk with and people that, yeah, my homie Namani helped put that together, the 420. So it's just people that believe in what I'm doing, that I have history with that, you know, see some opportunities. So too short went on. I forget who the, the DJ from the Bay was, but Too Short went on. And I was like, oh man, I'm going on after Too Short in the Bay with friends. <laughs> Blow the whistle finishes. And now and people was turning crazy. And I got brand new music. <laughs> brand new. That was two days after Project Drop. But it was a fun time. I enjoy it. So much, man, even that show didn't go 
how I thought it was going to go, but it still was fun, you know. Wait, how did you think that show was going to go? How did I think it was? I thought it was going to, in my mind, and it's the blessing of being mostly optimistic on the performance side. I'm like, just dropped the project. It's circulated. <laughs> Two days after, it's the bay. I'm going to hit the stage. Hey, going for news. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, get out there. It didn't, you know, they didn't, they was listening, but it just wasn't, you know, it's just new rap sometimes is tough. And so also then I still, my music performance chops are a bit more developed now too. It's been some time. So I'm better at engaging the crowd, even if they don't know the music. Because I think at first, bringing a lot of stand-up energy into it, meaning... You know, you get the crowd, hey, yeah, say, yeah, but no, no, no. You know, you gotta, and so getting used to this monologue and even just the body language too, microphone holding, body language, like, you know, that whole thing, still a bit rusty now. There's a lot of room to grow. I like coming back to spots too after you did. So it'll be some folks that had a good time there too. It was dope. Had another show that night too. I did LA later that night with the full band. So it was just a dope experience to have two shows. Yeah. In the Bay, L.A., same night, 420. I'll never forget that at all. Yeah. It's an interesting crowd, too, because that crowd is high as hell. Yeah. And it is a midweek thing, too. So it's not the same way of, let's say, a music festival where it's like, oh, 3 o'clock at the East Stage, and yeah. your tune's going to be there, right? So that's definitely a little bit of a different vibe than I feel like what that event is. Yeah, it was. But the one good thing, another good thing about it is that I have rehearsed right before. Like I landed, went to a rehearsal space, and then I ran through it. So when I got on stage, I felt good because I was freshly rehearsed. So even though it wasn't rocking out, I kind of was in the zone in a good space. But when I had the show in Philly for Adult Swim Fest, that one, we were tapped in. It had the band. I love having the band up there just because... I feel like, you know, when you got the band, that's just a lot of energy on stage. And you got to, I feel like giving them a reason to be like, okay, why are we playing for this motherfucker? So then you got to bring the energy up even more to justify the band, you know? So that's always fun. Yeah. So how often are you doing shows right now? My last show was, I popped out at this open mic in LA a couple of days ago. And before that was what? An open mic for music, to clarify. Open Not mic for, for music. Okay. Yeah, open mic for music. Did a few songs. And doing Wildin' Out next week in Atlanta. Probably do a pop-up or something in Atlanta, maybe. And then I'm starting up a residency in L.A. six weeks at Grand Star Jazz Bar. That's going to start on September 26th, every Monday until October 31st. Because I wanted to get that structure in and then, you know... I used to host that Knitting Factory in Brooklyn and that kind of, like, having that consistency of doing a regular spot, I hadn't done that in a minute. And so when I did the last show at Knitting Factory, that location closed down, I did, and so it reminded me of that energy and just of that, you know, having that regular spot where people know they can see me because you can't always link up with friends or grab lunch and all of that. So you can kind of have the residency, people know where to find you. So I want to do that. I'm excited about doing that because I think that'll help the writing because it'll be like, okay, I got this show. I definitely have this show on Monday. Maybe I'll try this new song there. 
and then the rest of the week can kind of flow off of that. So I'm super excited about these six shows. I put them all on sale at once and it's nice to see they're flowing, you know, and so it's going to be, it's going to be a good time and then we'll see how we want to operate from there, but definitely doing those six in a row, man. What was it like to get that process going for the residency specifically? It was, you know, I went to the spot, a grand star. I saw something there. I've been there twice. It was really close to my spot. And then just reached out to the owner online, walked over there, talked to him, told him what I was trying to do. Told him I wanted Mondays. He was like, all right, you take the door. I'll take the bar. I ain't dealing with your ticketing. And then I was like, all right, let's get, it was pretty straightforward and, and simple, you know? Cause I realized I wasn't something about LA it was making me stagnant on a live performance side, and I was doing more gigs out of town. Mm -hmm. I've done some stuff, but I wasn't really consistent locally. And so I just realized I had to create that. And I couldn't be, you know, annoyed with the nightlife or if I wasn't really trying to do something about it. Right, and right. When I have that ability, it's not that tough to like, hey, this is the place I do a show, you know, so yeah. I'm really hyped because it'll be, you know, have a comedian or two and two or three music acts and get the book stuff that I'm a fan of and tape them. And the, the excitement of doing a show, like putting on a regular show after doing it for a while and doing it now with knowledge and knowing how to build the vibe and promote and all those things, it's going to be a blast. Yeah. With that type of show specifically, you are also staying at the same spot. And I know that probably helps from a lifestyle perspective too. You have a young daughter, you know, you're not trying to, you know, be on the road maybe to the same extent, but maybe. Just the consistency of this is where, you know, for everybody, for the team, for the camera people, by the third show, it's like, okay, this is my spots right here. Everybody being, you know, the, the timing of it. And it's just, I got to create that consistency for myself and that external pressure to do because then that'll just make everything else because then once like okay monday this is what mondays are no matter what so then it's like okay what is tuesday now since we only got six other so i'm like okay one of those has to be a studio day or this type of day or that or you know it forces destruction for the rest of it so it's something i haven't had in a while like that consistency so you know when I did have it in New York, it kind of led to the most productive times in my career. And yeah, the most profitable. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I feel like I'm seeing, hearing more artists talk about that, especially we're seeing what's happened in Vegas. So many more artists, especially while they're still in their prime, taking the residencies there too. And you're starting to see them more in different cities. And I like how you did where you're like, yeah, you essentially created your own opportunity where you're at so and i feel like we're going to start to see more of that as i'm just seeing trends of how artists are thinking about doing things and where it makes sense to monetize in and where it doesn't yeah just you know it's like hey i booked myself for six you know i'm here <laughs> but even you know with that it's a bunch of different things and look you change up the core each week you know what i mean change up the merch or change up the drinks or change you know all these different elements to keep it fresh since you learn in the space and, and learning the crowd and you get to know 
the fans because, you know, folks going to return, you know, so and having that data, too, of seeing that, you know, who you see exactly who I'm seeing, who buying tickets and da, 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 so can reach out direct. Thank you for mine. Take it by the who you listen. You know, now it's like a kind of a it's it's going to be a, a new phase, man. And that's what thing, too, with the music is since that younger hunger, because it's a newer thing. It still has that feeling of, I don't know what's going to happen. Right. You know, I can try to make things or put things, but the other parts of it, when you do that, make other things happen when you just, you know, action cause reaction. Even going to that open mic that I did the other night and asked this other people, hey, come to this show, you know, shows, but get shows. And, and so it's nice to have that momentum and that feel because the comedy side, I want to say it's predictable, but the goals kind of are, you could change up your special and, and different things, but the goal is like, oh, special, move right on and you do this to, but it feels super blank canvas. Yeah. And I get the impression from you that there's part of that that is enjoyable. It's that challenge. It's like what keeps it fresh in a way, because at least for comedy, you mentioned the predictability of it. Like you knew what would work. You're getting the calls. Like, and you, you know, you're still getting them up to this point. So this is an opportunity to be like, no, this is something I've always wanted to do. Let me tap in here and explore the unknown. Because at least from the comedy side, even though that could be unknown to someone else, but you've been in this for decades now, you know? Yeah. At the open mic, it was a bunch of other artists that was having the same conversation. Like, I didn't know you rapped. I didn't know you rapped. I didn't know you rapped. Like, yeah, I guess that's why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> to let my know I rap. And so to have, you know, it's still building that, you know, through word of mouth, through performing and, you know, a solid amount of time. But it's happening piece by piece where I'm, you know, seeing folks in public, oh, I see you doing the music, yeah, keep doing it, you know. Yeah, it feels good, man. It feels exciting and it's just going to get better and keep learning and, you know. I got my drum set, you know, practice more, got keys, got to, you know, I want to in five years be full on musician, be able mm. to move around the whole kit, the whole, you know, all the instruments and, and really do a show show. You know? Yeah. Yeah. By show show, what do you mean? Like being able to, you know, like even to have a band like this one, I'm on keys for this one. And like, yeah, yeah. but not fucking around on keys, like actually killing that shit. And yeah. Like this one, I'm hopping on a kit. And it was like, that bullshit. I don't want to, you know, half-ass it like, oh, yeah, he's up there having fun, get the picture. No, I want to, you know, actually be technically proficient at it. So, and I'm willing to work to get to that spot too, you know, but you got to lock in for that. So that's the real, real goal is to be able to even in seven years pop in on somebody's set only for drums and like, Nail it, you know what I mean? Like, okay, he, like he playing on somebody else's music, and, you know, and it like that. Yeah, that's the goal. Even if I'm forty seven, fifty, when I'm able to do it, that's what I want to do. Yeah, and I feel like with you too, you talked a little bit about the fan base piece of it, and you be able to see who's coming to the shows and seeing who the fans are. Do you feel like the fan base is slightly different in any way from your comedy fan base? It will be. It will be. Right now, it's a lot of overlap because it's people that might be thinking they're getting a comedy show that show up for the music. And then they're like, oh, okay, that was better than I didn't, I didn't know that was happening. But there'll be some folks that weren't into my comedy at all that I'm like, okay, I like it. I'm seeing some folks, 
I'm this way in the morning, the freestyle. Some people, I like this better than his comedy. Now I'm thinking, me too. <laughs> <laughs> I do too. Yeah. And then there'll be people that never knew I did comedy once that they do, when the music is discovered, if they find it through the, the algorithm or something, there'll be some folks like, what? This guy got four comedy specials, you know, especially on uh, when things start happening on an international scale. When I started touring Asia, going over, you know, folks, they just find the music through the promoter or whoever. And then it's like, what? He so I'm excited for that part of it too, man. It's nice to, you know. And then I might re-release Miami Nights, but just put music videos in between that shit just to... <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, y'all want Miami Nights? Well, hear that. And he'd be like, and so, and then I said two chains. He's like, Veneers, Veneers. <laughs> <laughs> Veneers. One, three, pocket. You know, there's a lot of moves to, you know, that just because I have that this older stuff and this older material to be able to maneuver and, you know, run ads against and all these different things, man. So it's just a lot of possibilities and, and ideas. It's a fun, it's a fun time. Every day I'm lit up, like excited just because, you know, there's so much to do and so many different ideas. I'm uh, And so it's just, I'm fully locked in. Yeah. Yeah. Where do you feel like your comedy itself fits within your career? Because I know I've listened to past interviews you've done and you've said that, nope, I'm locked in on music right now. But I also know that you had said in other interviews that, okay, maybe in three years, if I do another comedy special, it'll make it all even stronger. So where does your comedy fit in for you right now? I can still do it because I did it last night at this private gig and I did it when we did the last night. And in fact, I planned on doing 10 minutes and I ended up going on couple tangents did it 20 30 that was partially because of the history of the room and that energy there and that's where i built that so and i still can write you know i do banter in between i just don't think i foresee just me kind of grinding out in the clubs or you know trying to do four weekends for a while unless it's just purely to pay for some last minute music expense mm -hmm. it would be just purely that if i'm at a improv or do it if i'm built as a stand-up publicly that's where it's at right now even i did for the gig last night i brought a keys player preach balfour he plays for my show sometimes but it was just i didn't feel like having the emptiness of just pure waiting for laughs is it going to be a keys player whole time? And I'm telling these stories, these jokes, but it's not going to be dead in the room. <laughs> Just because it's like, I'm not giving y'all that as an audience. <laughs> I'm not giving you the ability to have this shit be silent at the very least. Right. After I say something, it's going to be beautiful keys playing in this motherfucker. So it's just, that exercise of just the grind of what it takes to stay sharp as a stand-up, I don't feel like doing that anymore. I just find the music to be more enjoyable and just it has more, yeah, you just can go into different direct, like everything don't have to be funny or everything don't have to be one level, you know what I mean? And so maybe down the line on another one or... But as far as like working, working, I don't see it happening. Yeah.
Has any of the reaction to how comedians have either been perceived or how they're being called upon to respond to particular things, especially in the past few years with how things happening on Twitter, has any of that impacted how you feel or your relationship to comedy or making it at all? No, man, because you just have to, you don't have to do anything out here unless you're on a show where you do that and you're contractually obligated. But even that is still a choice. You know what I'm saying? Everything is a choice. We can live in the woods, man, with no electricity. If we choose to, we choose to be out here and perform, play video games, move about, you know, born into this, but you don't have to do none of the shit. All has, every, all of it is made up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because I feel like, as you mentioned, yeah, a lot of it being made up probably makes people almost forget that they do have a choice in a lot of this, because I feel like what I've seen or what I've heard from other comics sometimes is that just because of how things are with the climate or how people feel like they need to respond to particular things that there are comics that feel different, especially how things have happened post pandemic. But I feel like your mentality is a bit more like, Hey, we really don't have to like, just like whether it's people being canceled or people having backlash for things they say, like comics don't need to fit into fall into that. You can just do what you want, you know? And that's one thing. And it's not to judge or say, I was wrong. I see why people would feel pressure and I get that too. But it's after a while you just really like, oh, it's not, I know exactly what I enjoy. And I know the spots where I am truly having fun and losing track of time and enjoying life. And so I just try to spend as much time in those spots and spaces as I can and leave the other shit alone. It takes practice. It's great theory. It ain't fully perfect, but it's a solid system for me. Yeah. You know yeah. Has there been a bit of a connection to other comedians that have went into music? Think about someone like a Jamie Foxx or someone like that, that, you know, someone else like yourself, multi-talented and has, you know, had success in both areas. Is there kind of like, a, okay, you know, you see that others have done this, or do you really feel like, no, this is an even more unique thing? I respect, definitely respect what they've done. The timing is different for how I'm doing it. So that's why it's kind of, it's tough to compare a little bit the approach because it's been a minute. But it makes it interesting for me just from having stuff to talk about too for doing it so long. Because sometimes I'm like, maybe I should have started when I was 23. But I think it happened when it was supposed to happen. And it happened when I was ready for it to really happen. But yeah, I watched, you know, like Jamie's amazing, you know. What Gambino's done is really yep. dope. I saw Lil Duval right as living my best life was popping. I saw that was, a, that was a good song. He did go with that one. Yeah. He was at the stress factory in Jersey as the song was peaking and he was definitely too big for that room, but it made the energy. Yeah. <laughs> he was like crazy. He hit the stage to it. Like it was dope to see, man. Like I was genuinely excited that, and you could feel that he was hyped about it too, man. Yeah. So it's dope to see when people just Go for it in, in that way. And then we're just making this shit. You can really do anything. I have to remind myself that too. 
Just really do anything, man. Just, you know, just go for the shit. I got this song, No Whip. It's a freestyle. It's a seven-minute freestyle about how I was living in Hawaii last year. I bought a car there. And then I took a trip and then we ended up moving, but I didn't go back to like send the car and I've been planning to, but it's just kind of one of them things where I just out of sight, out of mind. And it ain't really, you know, causing a strain on my life. Right. But it is, it's kind of, it's, I, I bought this whip, left it in Hawaii, but uh, and it's, like, it's a loose freestyle. And I'm like, you know what, man, I'm going to go shoot this part here, part in Hawaii. And just keep it at seven minutes because you can just do that. The instinct is like, oh, no, maybe I need to. I'm being repetitive, so maybe I should cut. Like, no, shoot that shit rough. Like, make it look as dope as possible. Like, shoot a rough freestyle, dope, and have fun and then just let it fly. And just don't put the constraints on your yourself unnecessarily. It's easy to try to over-edit sometimes or get it. And so it's just getting better at trusting myself, which was the initial hurdle was just okay let me do it it was nobody like you can't make music man what are you like it was kind of me battling initially and then once i dropped it and then you know now okay and then just rewiring my brain to okay i am doing this and keep doing it it's like okay well we are doing this for real you know no matter no matter what that's why i find it is like absurd when people reach out like stop that's weird. Like you realize I'm very, I'm a very stubborn person. Like I'm not doing it to show you up. Like this is like, I'm already way more locked in than you could ever imagine. So no, why you would ever tell me to, to stop. That's weird. But then I know that that person's not locked in on whatever they want to do. Right. They have the time to tell me to stop. I mean, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's that I don't even get mad. It's just more like, what? what? That's a weird thing to like, what? Stop. You realize even if my music was completely trash, I would still be able to figure it out from a, a marketing standpoint. <laughs> like, right, I'd right. still be able to work some angle in this shit. But it's, you know, it's exciting, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's an exciting time, man. What has the response been like from the hip-hop community? It's been dope, man. Went on Sway in the morning. Did my written freestyle. I bothered Questlove when the Roots were performing at Pitchfork. They let me rock up there. So I got to rap with Black Thought, you know. It's been good, man. The Sway, the Sway interview helped. You know, I got a bunch of friends that I've worked with that I send stuff to sometimes. So the people that really know me, like know me, know me, know that I've been working on things for a while and been building. So they've been super supportive and especially the ones that know the grind has been and know how I've been working. So it's been dope, man. I'm just, I'm excited to just keep pushing, putting together shows and it's a fun time with just lots of possibilities and shit. Exciting time, man. Exciting stuff. So before we close things out, what should the audience stay in tune for? What does the next year look like for SU2 and what should they keep locked in for? The plan is to drop the full live album on my 40th birthday, February 4th, 23. So I got a couple songs done for it. Gonna start the sessions for it next month in November and December. Hopefully shoot videos December, January. 
drop a single New Year's Eve and then 40th birthday album. I don't know what the title going to be yet. 40-year-old freshman, Ford HB, Ford SU40, 244, I don't know, something like that. But I feel like 40th birthday is a good drop date. Yeah, so that's the plan. And so I'll use the time leading up, you know, to start purging old stuff. You know what I mean? Use that to kind of, you know, drop Lucy's and different things and even drop some of the older comedy stuff. I got I've been hoarding. And so I, I want to also, in addition to having the Mondays residency, use the Mondays as a drop day, you know, for new content, old content, to start just really, really getting stuff out and start just to free my brain up. Because there's a lot of, even though I'm making stuff and dropping stuff, there's a lot of other stuff that I think needs to just be let go, let the birds fly, and then it'll help the creativity more. I hear that. In terms of other stuff too, I think I remember seeing you, you had a song called Numbers. Is that a kid's song? Yeah, yeah. Those things you're going to be putting out there? I don't know if I'm going to lean too heavy into the kids' songs yet. Or maybe under an alias. I might start dropping. But yeah, I've been seeing some of the Uzi Gracie's. Gracie's Corner? Gracie's Corner. And there's another one yep. where they, they got the, the trap kind of kid stuff. Maybe. Numbers was fun to do. I did that. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to uh, Shalik on the beat for Numbers. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, yep. nine, ten. Yeah. One robot. Two robots. The robots is an ongoing theme in my music also. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. We're excited for all of it, man. Yeah. Tons of respect for you, man. Hey, thank you, man. Thanks, man. Good talking with you, dog. For Always, sure. man. Yeah. If you enjoyed this podcast, go ahead and share it with a friend. Copy the link, text it to a friend, post it in your group chat, post it in your Slack groups, wherever you and your people talk, spread the word. That's how Trapalo continues to grow and continues to reach the right people. And while you're at it, if you use Apple Podcasts, go ahead, rate the podcast, give it a high rating and leave a review. Tell people why you like the podcast. That helps more people discover the show. Thank you in advance. Talk to you next week.